60 minute man himself i don't know why he's the 60 minute man but we're gonna go with it it's the deadliest catch lee brando how are you sir i'm good ryan how about yourself i am doing well maybe the 60 minute man because we watched a 60 minute match we did we just finished watching the uh instant classic i think it's safe to say omega okada 2 at dominion so um Spoiler alert, because that's what we're gonna we're gonna discuss. You've got a spoiler that it went sixty minutes, but you kind of you hey, kind of hey, just hey. gave it right away. No warning. You can't give the spoiler alert <laughs> after you've said. I just said it was sixty minutes. I didn't say what happened around sixty minutes. Mm. I didn't say who went over. I didn't say what might have happened. So right, that just that it went exactly. No, I didn't minutes. say it went exactly <laughs> sixty minutes. I Not said it was a sixty-nine minute. It was sixty-nine minute. It was. A I, si- don't call me the sixty-nine <laughs> minute man. That's that's wrong. <laughs> I they they called. Uh, I didn't. Um, Flair didn't go sixty minutes in a rumble, did he? He was just sixty-minute man because he had a no, lot of sixty-minute matches. The longest rumble was uh, Mysterio. Ray Mysterio at sixty-two, 62. minutes and yeah. and change. I think what you're thinking of is um, Jericho in the Ambrose Asylum match uh, a year or two ago landed in 69 tacks. They pulled 69 thumbtacks out of him. So I might be mixing gimmicks because wasn't so Jericho a, also like the 54-minute man? He was in the Royal Rumble. So you <laughs> might just – it's just a homage. Homage? I don't know. A word that means things coming together, which I guess you can just say anything. Collage. Uh, yeah, there you go. The Coloss. An amalgamation. The 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 Coloss. The Coloss. We we've gone so far off track. <laughs> Where was did there my a life track? go? You know, I was um I was on the ship today, let's say that. I was on the ship today and I was opening a box that was full of uh packing material and box cutters. And I wondered where my life had gone wrong. <laughs> I was just opening a box so I could fill and open other boxes. <laughs> and I noticed I was in an infinite loop. But anyway, not infinite loop. 60-minute match. Spoiler alert. 60-minute draw between Kazushika Okada and Kenny Omega. The cleaner, Kenny Omega. And the rainmaker, how do you, would you like to pronounce his name if you have an issue with the way I say his name? Uh, Kazuchika Okada? Kazuchika. Okay, that's how I, I've it's gotten by. Kazuchika Okada. Kazuchika. No, I'm pretty sure in Japanese it's just you read every syllable with no uh, emphasis. No. Sure. Anyway, I was saying if this were the WWE... They wouldn't just be. It wouldn't just be Omega Okada. It would be the cleaner takes on the rainmaker. Somehow there would be a big dog and something about a yard. Well, yeah, obviously Roman. Demon Reigns King, would win. Demon King, Demon King, Demon King. King Slayer. Demon Kane. Oh, Demon Kane. No, Demon King. Dean Kane. Nineties super Superman in Lois and Clark. The Adventures of Superman. I don't know. Was it called that? It was. It was Lois and Clark: The Adventures of Superman. Ah, now I see. This is the quality content that. Uh, well, let's be honest. Killian McMurphy comes to this podcast for. That's true. He gets he gets his kicks out of it. 
Um, uh, did you see that uh, that uh, the Millennials debuted their new matching ring gear this week? I, I may have scrolled past a picture of it. <laughs> the video is fabulous. Didn't see the video. So p- if, it, if you're saying it was good, we'll have to have everyone that listens to this podcast go watch the video and, and get its views up one. Um, they're they're wearing rompers now. Uh, of course, you got to. It's it's the natural progression. I mean, it, if, it, if they include a fidget spinner in the finish of a match, uh, my life will be set. This is why he said you're a great idea man. I'm the idea because maybe they haven't considered that, and you've just given them free yep. idea. Just it, like you know how the NWO used to spray paint NWO on the backs of people. They should like do beat downs, flip them over, and just spin a fidget spinner and just lay it on him and like just let it spin. <laughs> uh you go. can you can get fi- uh, fidget spinners at uh, many they're different expensive. stores now. Have you seen uh, they're like more than 4 or 5 dollars, which I was assuming they'd be less than. I have seen them. I I don't like plugging actual places unless <laughs> they're giving us money to, but I found that uh fidget spinners you can get at 5 below. Uh, they they advertise them like crazy that they have them, so you can get it get them for at least under five bucks. Yeah, if you want a crappy one. I mean, like, are you looking for premium? Uh, well, it it is uh, it is the millennials. You want you want that designer, you want the Cadillac of fidget spinners. Yeah, I mean, it all depends. If if it just, I guess, it might be better to have quant. You know what the millennials should do is look into getting fidget spinner merch. They should. They should look into that. They should also look into parroting the movie Inception where their totem instead of a, a top is a fidget spinner. <laughs> it's a fidget spinner. <laughs> yeah. Just the last shot of the movie, just a, a super close-up of a, of a never-ending fidget spinner credits. <laughs> that would be their titan drum. Yeah. That would be their stage. It would just be a fidget spinner. Just yeah, never Killian, ending. Killian would be Leo, and his wife would clearly be uh, Robbie Radke. I I would imagine so. I mean, just it fits. I would, yeah, I I would say. Or that. flip it. It doesn't matter. You could go either way, like Killian. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Killian would probably pull a good Leo. Probably could. Anyway, um, what were we talking about? We, we were, were talking, talking about, about Dominion. Dominion. <laughs> we were we were going to quickly discuss Dominion before moving on to now, other things, but I don't think we should we spoil the whole card because you know, for one, I haven't seen the whole event. Yeah, we only sat and watched, which I didn't realize the the journey we were in for. Yeah, we only sat and watched the main event. Uh, which was Okada Omega 2, which... Which we gave away the ending to. But anyone that happens to be listening to this, and I know that's uh, not saying a whole lot, but you should go, you should find it. If you have to sign up to New Japan World, do it. Do it. Do it and, you know, watch the whole show. Watch specifically the main event and the semi-main. I just want to put that out because I know that uh, in the States... We usually are watching two, three weeks behind what's actually happening, and it's hard to not get spoiled and to fully enjoy it. But I think you'll still enjoy 
this show overall, even if you know some of the some of the results. Yeah, I had I had a basic idea as to what the uh, how the main event was going to end, although it wasn't exactly what I had in mind. Um, you knew the finish. I did before we started watching it. So props on you for not giving anything away, even though I asked you with about five minutes left if that was going to be the finish, and you coyly didn't answer. Well, you know. I didn't I, so when we started looking it up I thought you know there's no way you don't know so I wasn't being careful and then I figured out that you didn't know the finish so I was like oh I got to be real careful and you were like could this go to a time limit draw I mean I suppose there's a time limit and I was like yeah I guess there's a time limit I had never thought of that <laughs> <laughs> Well cuz they went 5 minutes and I didn't uh, they're obviously speaking in Japanese right. and the only reason I know they said 5 minutes is because there's a shot right after they announce it in the building Cody is outside the ring at this point, and he turns to one of the bucks and goes, five, five minutes? Yeah. And as soon as I saw that, I realized what was going on, and I thought, no, one of them's going to get a pin before the end of this match. And lo and behold, the buildup was literally Okada could not get the strength after yeah. hitting, I believe hitting the Rainmaker right at the end, a vicious Rainmaker. Yeah. Getting an opportunity to try and crawl over and just – inches away from getting the pin before the uh the bell finally rang yeah i like that i like that that he didn't get a two count then the bell rang i like that he just didn't make it over at all he was just so worn out after spending 60 minutes in the ring with omega omega took everything okada had and vice versa and neither one of them could could beat the other really a beautiful story and it's Really interesting to see where it goes from here. We have the Long Beach shows coming up. Um, obviously, if they're going to do a third match, it shouldn't be for a while. And uh, there's a lot of rumors and speculation that, um, you oh. know, the next the next big match is going to be Cody, uh, Cody Rhodes versus okada for the iwgp heavyweight championship and it'll be interesting because at that point cody could very well be the ring of honor heavyweight champion as well and we were discussing the back and forth um with the possibility of this happening um honestly can you imagine now cody rhodes has not been out of wwe all that long if I remember correctly, he got his release last year. Yeah, has it even been a year? It's been I'm about a year, sure. but his he request he's been released for just over a year, but it wasn't long after this because obviously he had like a ninety day non compete, and uh, so he couldn't actually wrestle until August of last year. So he leaves, and then remember all the questions. Would he be able to go do, essentially run the independent scene and go to all these shows and, you know, do all the things that being an independent wrestler means? You're setting up chairs, you're helping set up the ring, you're doing all the before and after show events, uh, meeting up with fans and doing all those things. Things that, to a degree, maybe not setting up the seats or building the ring, that you see in WWE with pre- and post-show meet-and-greets. But he has done all of it. 
and he's done it really well. And everything I've heard about people's interactions with him at these shows and how he's carried himself at these shows, he's never come across as, you know, I was in the WWE, I'm a big shot. He came out as, I'm new to this, this, this medium, as it were. I'm new to this arena. I want to make the best of this and do everything I can to really enjoy it. And a year later, after all the questions of would he be able to go and be an independent wrestler, he's in line for two different championship opportunities in two of the biggest companies in the world. Yeah, I I would argue that the two championships he's up for are the second and third biggest championships in the world. Um, You could argue some... Mexican uh, promotions might be a little bigger than Ring of Honor, but I don't think in a worldwide scale anything really as prestigious or as long-running or as much attention or the possibility of blowing up more than New Japan has right now at this moment. So in my opinion, in, in a global sense, might not be the numbers, um, but I, I feel like the IWGP, which is the New Japan's heavyweight championship, I feel like that's the number two belt in the world, and I, f- I do feel that Ring of Honor is the number three. So, and y- you know, you could argue from a wrestling standpoint that they're above the WWE championships, but, you know, obviously the WWE has a more of a presence in the world, so... You know, that's uh, I'm fine with them being at 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 number one for argument's sake. But uh, yeah, Cody had really only known the WWE landscape. He was uh, obviously a second uh, or was he third? Second generation. Yeah, there was there was nobody before Dusty. Um, So, I mean, he had the in. He made a lot of his time there, certainly made more of his time uh, more out of his time in the WWE than Ted DiBiase Jr. or uh, you know Curtis Axel or any of these guys that were kind of brought in around the same time then he leaves kind of unexpectedly and um, remember the list the list the list that he put out which was his to do list his checklist of things he wanted to accomplish it how he immediately started accomplishing and Some of them were names. Some of them were locations. One of those locations was the Tokyo Dome, which is obviously Wrestle Kingdom, yeah. which he was a part of in January. Yeah. And we're now seeing more and more of his ambition, as it were, leaving what was a comfortable spot in, a big, in the biggest company in the world to go out and try and he didn't really have to make a name for himself, but to alter his name, to change what people think of him and to give himself a new challenge. And he has, he sparkled and his matches are really good too. It's not like, you know, you're seeing somebody go out there and they're just wrestling, you know, they're just getting by on their name. He is a really talented wrestler and a fantastic character. Yeah. And he definitely sticks out. Um, he's not the typical indie wrestler uh, by look. You can, you can tell he definitely has the WWE shine still to him. 
but he doesn't make a thing of it, you know. So it's going to be interesting, especially with New Japan trying to push into the North American market. You know, a lot of people said, well, they'll they'll use Kenny Omega because he's Canadian and he's charismatic and one of the greatest workers of all time. But, you know, you could certainly see where Cody Rhodes might be better for that role if that's their goal, you know. Um, it doesn't, doesn't mean Kenny's out of the picture. You know, we could have, at this point, Kenny Omega is such a fan favorite. He's got, I mean, anybody that wrestles that well, you it's hard to boo. It's really hard to have a charismatic you know, just wrestling machine and just go and and boo that per and be against that person. So Well we saw him cheered leaving from Dominion, leaving yeah. the ring, carried out by the Bucks, um, and followed out by the Bullet Club, who are a heel stable. Yeah. Who And they they do get over as heels. It's not like when the NWO became cool or, or anything like that. Yeah, they're they're they've been booed in yeah. Japan. Japan and Japan makes it those Japanese crowds do they everybody does such a good job over there but the bullet club does get booed in Japan they're just big worldwide because of how cool they got yeah and you know really western audiences i think are what helped blow the bullet club up to the heights they got now they're not at those heights anymore but every wrestler that's a part of that group has still turned out to be you know they're in a better spot for being involved with that grouping and having that brand name with them. But in Japan, they are still booed. And yeah. popular as they might be, they are booed as heels the way they're supposed to be. Yeah, and it was one of those things that could have really gone south. It, it could have, you know, fallen to the same fate that the NWO did. But they've, they've been able to manage it. And they've been able to turn it from I mean in certain promotions yes it's still a stable but they've also turned it into this kind of you know meta club this this thing that goes bigger than the storyline and has a different meaning outside of the storyline well and the if just as a quick refresher of the bullet club they've really been three different versions depending yeah. on who's essentially been at the top when prince devitt a.k.a. Finn Balor, started the Bullet Club, they were a pretty traditional heel stable that was just was a group of, I believe it started out with five initially, um, four or five initial members, including um, Gallows and Anderson, Bad Luck Fale, uh, Prince Devitt, um, and I'm sure I'm missing somebody bugging me, but... Tomatonga, maybe? Uh, yes, Tomatonga. So it was five initially. So And they were a pretty traditional heel stable. A lot of trying to, j just really trying to help with getting Devitt, you know, higher up the card and, you know, working to, for Gallows and Anderson to get them tag championships and pretty, pretty standard fare, but they were a little bit different because they were all foreigners. Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening is as Devitt goes to become Balor, AJ Styles is brought in at first night in the company, wins the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, and is a member of the Bullet Club right from the start. Yeah. So that 
brings them up. And suddenly, at that point, Omega's in the Bullet Club. Uh, the Young Bucks are in the Bullet Club. They start to turn more cool, where they're not so much just bad guys. They're bad guys who have an extra level of arrogance. And a lot of, I'm better than you, in most cases they are. When Styles leaves and it becomes, it's a lot more of the click now mm. with Omega, the Bucks being the elite and the Bucks essentially kind of being the connecting force to everybody in the Bullet Club East and West. Yeah. Um, I, the Bullet Club has seen a very interesting evolution over the course of time, but it's never been quite the same act all the time, which I think is the reason they've lasted as long as they have. No, even in it, Japan, it can play totally different from you know Ring of Honor to Japan to PWG, you know wherever they show up, it's kind of a different animal. And you know especially with stables or and groups are still a big thing in Japan. Uh, even the fact that Okada, I believe, is still part of Chaos, which is a very old, a long-standing group in Japan, but. He is largely works by himself, um, but you have, uh, uh, oh man, I'm I am struggling with my names at the moment. Um, you have uh, Suzuki Gun, which right now is really popular in Japan. They are another group of individuals who includes Zack Saber Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have butchered this name every time I've tried to say it. I'm gonna try it one more time. Uh, Los Ingobernables de Japón. I got it right. There you go. Um, which, of course, is led by um, is led by Tetsuya Naito, who is, well, was. I guess that's another spoiler alert. Oh, my God, Brian. <laughs> I'm terrible at this. The IWGP Intercontinental Champion. Yep. Which is, the Intercontinental title means something a little bit different in New Japan than it does in WWE. The IWGP Intercontinental title is so prestigious. It is was a belt that has fluctuated over time in meaning, but really with Nakamura holding it, Shinsuke Nakamura holding it a few years ago, through its current run, it's it's really amazing, been yeah. just below, and I mean just below the heavyweight title. Well, and that's saying a lot because the heavyweight title... I don't know if there's a more prestigious belt in the world than the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Just go. There's a supercut online of, and it's on YouTube. Go look for it of all of the IWGP Heavyweight Champions in history. Yeah. Go watch it, and it it literally is just music and pictures. But within a couple of minutes, you'll realize how big this belt is because this is the same belt that Brock Lesnar held. When he went to Japan, this is the same belt that dates back to the beginnings of New Japan Pro Wrestling that so many major names have held at one point or another. Uh, Like I said, Lesnar, Nakamura, Styles, just for the more newer audience. But it dates back so far, and there's been so many huge names that have held it. I feel like the WWE title has gone through so many rebrandings that it's hard to see that as the same belt that San Martino held. Or Hulk Hogan held, you know. You almost feel like this current belt started really in the kind of late to early two thousands. Yeah, with it kind feels of like the one that Stone Cold and The Rock handed off to guys like uh, Cena and JBL, and kind of carried to this point. Even though it's the same belt, and it 
really, technically speaking, has all the same lineage, including the WCW and NWA championship lineage that came from those titles being merged together. But it's almost kind it's, of been rebranded feels, so much. It feels different. You know, it doesn't quite if carry it was all that one, history. If it was one continuous string that didn't have so many forks in the road, it would feel a lot more prestigious. And I'm not saying that there's not a certain level of awe that comes with holding the WWE Championship. I mean, I think it's still, you know, every wrestler's ultimate goal to one day to, to have it. And there's only been 50 people who have at it. You know, but there's all these asterisks along the way. There's Vince held the title. That, but there's also, you know... <laughs> Well, we do these brand splits, and now we have the World Heavyweight and the WWE title, and then those merge, and now there's another brand split, and we have the Universal. So technically, the Universal doesn't date back to anything. So it's just, you know, It there. dates back to Finn Balor at SummerSlam last yeah, year. so, you know. Kevin Owens is the longest reigning Universal champion in history. That's true. Um, but so, you know... Um, like when Austin had it, like in the in the late '90s, it still felt like the same belt that Hogan held, you know. And maybe even up until like '02, you know, it's really hard to say. Uh, but somewhere along the way, they they messed with it too much, and um. I, well, you, it's interesting you say '02 because that would have been the first brand split. Yeah. Oh, 2001 was the beginning of the first brand split, and then 2002 was the introduction of the World Heavyweight Championship, which initially the undisputed title, which was the WWF and WCW titles merging together, being unified. The undisputed title was uh, defended on both brands. Yeah. 2002. Maybe, maybe they should have just kept it as one and the champion when you become champion you're no longer held to a brand you're a free agent like john cena like john cena uh we'll get to that momentarily but i personally think that would have been a much more compelling story but i don't think you can do that because you're going to kill whoever it is that's going to be the champion because they have to be on a pay-per-view every two weeks well, no, not necessarily. I mean, where's Brock been for six months or what? You know, three months, whatever it's been. That's true. You you, you don't you might have to. Jinder Mahal could be champion of all WWE right now. He could be yeah the biggest guy. Well, and that's why you have your U.S. title on one show and your Intercontinental on another show, and then you elevate those titles. Well, because right now and they mean more. Because the Intercontinental title, Dean Ambrose said it a couple of weeks ago. The Intercontinental title was the title on Raw. There's no Brock Lesnar, which should be accurate, but they still don't treat it that way, yeah, even it, though— It should be a lot bigger in, with, with a champion that's only there part-time, but you've got you've to gotta put something behind it. You don't, you know, you don't put it in a match at Extreme Rules, which is the opener where you can't get disqualified, you know, like— or you lose the belt. That, that's not how you do it. You put it on as the main event after a fatal five-way Extreme Rules match. Then you, then people will look at it differently, you know. But I guess there's they just don't care. <laughs> I don't know if it's they don't care. I don't know if they – it almost feels – it's easy for us from the outside to say all these things. There's a lot of 
various factors that drive into WWE's decisions. I don't feel like strong narrative and the best story factors into that as much as we want it to. Well, that's fine if it doesn't factor into it as long as they're being successful. But let's look at, you know, the number attendance, live show attendance, uh, ratings, TV ratings. I mean, you can't count pay-per-view buys anymore. You can't count pay-per-view buys, but we know for a fact that the network subscriptions aren't where they want it to be or where they projected it would be at this point. Well, and it's really where they need it to be long term. They've yeah. got to get their numbers continue so, to So, you know, grow. it's fine if you don't want to do the things that people are complaining about if you're also being successful while you don't do them. But, you know, I mean, and they're not unsuccessful. You know, they're they're a powerhouse of media and entertainment, and there's always going to be a certain level that that company is at. But, you know... I think if you sat anyone down and said, "Hey, do you would you rather make a hundred thousand dollars or ten million dollars?" I don't think people are going to go, "Oh, I'm I'm pretty content here at a hundred grand," you know. Yeah, and and you do wonder if we're we do see changes. WWE always is the last is as the major promotion, especially with the way they're run, they'll always be the last to capture trends. And you wonder if we are slowly seeing them go towards better quality, in-ring quality wrestlers. And we're seeing more and more matches that have better in-ring quality. But oh, it yeah, is still that's b- not. But, you know, it's still their in-ring quality doesn't come close to New Japan's. And New Japan still has great storylines that are, you know, that have continuity and makes sense and even if you know where they're going it's fine because that's where the story should go and it's still enjoyable to watch it play out yeah i mean it's you don't have to swerve everyone every every show you know yeah i I think there's a lot of truth to that theoretically the wwe did exactly what i think a lot of people including myself wanted them to do we didn't need the champion to be in the main event at a pay-per-view you have a number one contendership. Make that feel like the most important thing on your brand. Not that who's going to be that champion the next night. These guys are fighting and pushing themselves and going out and having the matches of their lives just for an opportunity. And SmackDown doesn't have that. They've got a champion every week. And arguably, SmackDown quality-wise is better. It's true. And, and obviously, that's up for debate. It's all what you're well, into. Well, you know, it is an hour shorter. So, th- I mean, there's other factors. There's other factors. The time makes a difference. I think a lot of their talent is better utilized. I think there are guys who, because it's an hour shorter and they run it the way they do, don't get enough opportunities. I'm a little upset. It's been three or four weeks since I've seen Ty Dillinger, who, <laughs> like, guess what happens if he's not on the show? He People are not going to cheer for him when he shows up. Yeah. So, I I'm a little irritated about that personally. So, I don't know if it's an edict or what it is, but it seems like the WWE is so focused on the, its own brand that they never want to let any of their performers, you know, peek through like a blade of grass in a sidewalk. You know, it's it's like 
we can't have that or we get into the situation that the UFC's in where if if McGregor fights Mayweather and then he never fights for UFC again, the UFC's going to lose a lot of money over the next two, three, four years because there's not going to be somebody else to come along and be the star. So you have the WWE who says, hey, we've got guys that are popular within our world, but, you know, nobody's irreplaceable very quickly. If, you know, Cena's out shooting a movie or TV show and Roman gets hurt, well, guess what? We can put up, you know, Nakamura or we can put up Samoa Joe. You know, it doesn't matter. We The, the, the wheel's going to keep turning, you know. So I wonder if, I wonder if that's really how they think. And, like, for instance, this week on Raw, you had that horrible um, woman segment with, with uh, Dana Brooke and Alexa Bliss. And um, she's not like most girls. Nia Jax? Nia Jax, yeah. Um, you know what didn't make the Hulu version of that? Raw? That, because I don't so, know what you're talking about. So there was this pretty bad segment. I mean, not as bad as This Is Your Life or anything, but pretty bad segment and Sasha Banks comes out who's been kind of wrapped up in the cruiserweight storyline for the last couple of weeks which has actually been a solid use for her actually yeah so she comes out to reinsert herself into the women's title picture gets you know the crowd is dead and and Sasha comes out crowd pops huge and they're not shutting up it's not just the initial pop as she's walking down the ramp they're still going crazy chanting her name and um, she gets down to the, the mats beside the ring, and she goes, thank you for that. Let me talk. Let me talk. Shh. You know, basically, like, cuts them off, cuts the crowd off, and, you know, just goes into whatever line she has to say. And it's like, geez, you know, can, can we let somebody get over, or, or do we have to sit here and be quiet and watch this horrible segment and pretend like it's good, you know? I think Alexa Bliss is way better and should – any division she's a part of where she's champion – should be way better than the way they're using her on Raw. Remember how successful she felt on SmackDown and how the tide seems to have changed? Like a lot, you know. You know, you know it did make the Hulu version of uh of Raw, the Bailey interview. Oh. Was that <laughs> creepy or what? It felt a little odd. Like are they are really are they trying to bury uh Bailey at this point? Or they're trying to go into a romance storyline between her and Corey because you know, a few weeks back, you had the line. Have, I think Alexa Bliss asked her, "Have you ever even kissed a boy?" And she got all embarrassed and everything. And it's like, oh my God, longest eye roll in history. We know she has a husband, right, or a fiance. We we've we've seen pictures of this guy. You you gotta be kidding me. She's a women's wrestler. She's gotta, you know, she's beautiful. She's a, you know basically a, an actress, you know, or a model or whatever you want to say, and we're really going to go and pretend that she's really, you know, this 16-year-old girl who's never kissed a boy and wears her ponytail. Like, come on, guys. Like, how stupid do you think your audience, which we discussed last week, is, you know, 52 years old? How stupid do you think they are? Yeah, WWE kind of seems to keep getting in their own way. Uh, we're seeing a couple of good things out of... So, 
Best can thing we, they got going for the, them. Can we talk about that opening segment of Raw? Best opening segment of Raw in, I don't know, five years. How long have they been doing the well, one guy talks, another guy interrupts him, another guy interrupts that guy? Well, this was I, good. I except one thing, but we'll get into it. I don't know if I would say it was the best opening segment in five years. Um, this seems kind of a mirror image to the Brock Lesnar Undertaker we got from, was it last year? Was that last year or was that the year before? I have Probably forgotten. two years ago at this point. That um, sounds about right. The only thing I had wrong with it is the buildup from the week prior where Paul Heyman was like, I'm going to unleash the beast and all this. So you expected it to be hot and heavy right to begin with, but apparently all he meant by unleash the beast is he's going to stand him in the center of the ring while Paul Heyman talks. That was the only part I was like, yeah, this, this, this isn't exactly what we were promised, but once Joe came out and uh, they got physical, I mean that that's money right there, you know. And the only the, the the best thing that WWE as a whole has going on for him right now is this Samoa Joe, Brock Lesnar match. Like, how surprised are you to say that? Not not not. Hold on, not let me put this in context. How surprised are you that WWE and all the things they'd done and all the thoughts we had that they were going to ruin this? That that statement rings true. Uh, I'm pretty surprised, but then again, I'm not because this could be the SummerSlam main event, or this could be the Royal Rumble main event, or even WrestleMania. But we know that they have other plans, and personally, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sold on the fact that their other plans are better than this match. Well, especially I think this is the best match that they can put on right now. Especially because we feel like we know where they're eventually headed with yeah. Brock Lesnar, and nobody really wants to see that. Nobody really which cares. Which is why that you know? main event's going to get booed. It's going to get like booed getting, anyway. They, you like, know? they like WrestleMania it, it main was, events it was, booed. it was booed at 31 until the match started and went the way it went for you know 10 minutes of, of one-sided Brock Lesnar beatdown. Then it started getting cheered. Then when Roman started making his comeback, it started getting booed again. So, And then Rollins' music hit, and yeah. that ended up being one of the right. most memorable moments in WrestleMania history. Right, and and partially, you know, you would think they did that be because they knew the reaction they would get if they made it obvious to the fans that Roman wasn't going to go over. I mean, and it did get that reaction. So now we have this WrestleMania main event repeat from... It'll be three years ago, and there's well, there no way be. that it's going to turn out any way differently than They'll Roman going over. Well, you know there's no money in the bank that's going to get no involved money in, in the that bank. one, so they they have removed that from the equation. And remember, the last time WrestleMania was in New Orleans, which I can tell you a lot of people that are going were probably there last time. Yep. Um, The last time it was in New Orleans, you had – one of the great moments in all of WrestleMania history in which the fans got what they wanted with Daniel Bryan being inserted into the main event and going over in what would have been a very unpopular main event otherwise. I thought you were going to say um, New Orleans last time they were there was when Brock Beat ended the Undertaker the and ended the streak. Yeah. Yes, that also happened. So, so we'll have Brock returning to the dome where he ended the streak 
fighting the guy who retired for all intents and purposes the undertaker last year at wrestlemania the build is good half of the participants should be there unless they change something i'm not excited for it because i'm i'm just not excited for having my intelligence insulted you know well, it's going to get booed, and it's going to be an unpopular main event. And that's part of the reason I hope they pull the trigger early. Like, let me let me ask you this honestly. Would you rather see at WrestleMania next year Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar and what we think is going to happen? Or would you rather swap the plans and have Roman Reigns gun for the title at SummerSlam and put Strowman at WrestleMania? Maybe not in the main event. But Strowman versus Lesnar at WrestleMania. Do you think that match would go over any differently? Um, I think the reaction for the Reigns match would be the same at SummerSlam. I think Strowman at WrestleMania with... I, I just think it's maybe too early for that. Um, I'm not saying it would be a terrible match, they would probably keep it short and do like a thing they did with Goldberg, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm just, I don't know. I just don't see it. Uh, you know, Joe would have been perfect to hold off until WrestleMania. When you when you finish that up, I'm, I'm not sure who you put in to, to give it that next level. You know, I don't yeah. think they're going to s- put Angle in there with Lesnar. Obviously, he will be be on the card but i think it'll be you know maybe maybe this storyline uh is going to lead somewhere the thinking is angle uh triple h which would i guess be an okay match um i wouldn't necessarily be upset about it though no because we know we know triple h can still go yeah we know from recent matches that angle can still put on really high quality matches well, that's the thing. I would like to see him go with somebody who can also put on high quality matches on right, a fairly I'm regular not, basis. I'm not. I'm not saying that's not Triple H. I'm just maybe. Maybe what I'm trying to say is a different style. Maybe Angle. You you would prefer probably an Angle Joe or an Angle Styles. Even Angle Rollins would. Oh, that would be a good yeah, match. That would be. That would. We would probably have like another Michaels Angle match on our hands with that. Yeah, that that would probably be really good. Yeah, yeah, I, I would I would pop for that. That would be a pretty. Good but match. you know, Angle Triple H, it's just I feel like there's not a ton that there's. It's not going to be a very flashy match. No, and I think it's going to be pretty. The build for it, it seems kind of obvious. It wouldn't yeah. seem kind of like you know I wasn't really expecting this. We all kind of could see that, and you. You kind of see how this meeting goes. They've basically told Kurt, we're going to have you wrestle one more match. That's it. And it's going to be against Hunter. And it's like, you're going to go out big and do this and that. Why does Hunter have to be involved in this? He doesn't, you know. But, you know. Not that not that I'm necessarily hating f- on I think Triple I H. said this to you when last WrestleMania, I, I was like, does that mean we have to have a Shane match each year? Do we have to have a Triple H match each year? Because these are spots that could and should go to other people in the uh, you know roster who 
need the WrestleMania exposure. Shane McMahon, love him to death, doesn't need that spot. Triple H, same thing, doesn't need that spot. Well, I mean, look at look at last year, and we talked we we have talked about it because obviously we started this podcast right before WrestleMania, so we have talked about it ad nauseum that six of like the la- six of the people on that like the front of that poster were were uh, part timers. Yeah. The seventh was Reigns. Yeah. AJ Styles was in the back. Now the reason that's important is because they view WWE views their promotional materials by who's going to sell. So you're saying that John Cena, which I this one I understand, John Cena is going to sell more. I understand than an AJ Styles. Okay, all right, I get that from a business perspective with the way WWE works. That one I I, I'm, I understand. I'm okay with. But you're telling me that Shane McMahon is going to sell more than AJ Styles or or a Kevin Owens or Chris Jericho even, who himself, he's not the same type of part-timer. He has runs, but he's there every week. Yeah. So you're telling me Brock Lesnar and Goldberg sold you more than maybe uh, AJ Styles versus The Undertaker or something like that. That might be true. But I don't think it's well. Part of that, how much of that is formula to go by? Because what you're the statement you're making is we have this crew of people who are here the whole year, and we've done such a bad job at making these people superstars. Even though that's what we call them, they're really not. You know, people to this day, if you say I I watch wrestling, I like wrestling, they're gonna say people that were in wrestling. 20 years ago at this point, they're going to say, oh, like The Rock or, oh, like Stone Cold Steve Austin. I used to love watching, um, you know, Hulk Hogan or pick, pick any name out of a hat. Um, it's it's not going to be like, hey, I watch wrestling. Oh, you mean like Biggie? <laughs> you know, that's true. Or you Big mean, ups to Biggie, but yeah, that's true. I mean, nothing against him, but the WWE is saying we've done such a bad job at making our year-round crew, our full-time crew, legitimate household superstars that we have to pull in the son of the boss who's in his 50s or late 40s or the or the son-in-law of the boss. You know, Triple who's, H... Who's now... who Now, son-in-law of the boss being Triple H, who, of course, is, is a legend, will go in the Hall of Fame, but a guy who's in his 50s now and still can can pull a match that's not the problem it's that you're taking a guy who wrestles one no more than two matches a year and you are consistently year after year putting them over your daily every week every week every day every show superstars your 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 talent busts their ass every week and travels the roads and earns those chances, they're not getting those opportunities. Take less time thinking about what's Triple H going to do at this year's WrestleMania and put more time into thinking about how we can take, you know, an AJ Styles, a Seth Rollins, a Samoa Joe, you know, a Braun Strowman. How can we make these guys draw as much as Triple H did 20 years ago. So we talked before this, and we've 
mentioned a little bit how New Japan kind of seems like they're in front of WWE as far as quality in most every aspect. Now, part of that is because we just we prefer their their product to a large degree, and just how they present their product and their storylines and narratives are really good. Their in-ring talent is incredible. You look at a guy, just as an example, Kenny Omega. He ha- he was a name. He's been a name in Japan for a long time. But look at Kenny Omega where he was last year. Now, this is before the G1 Climax last year. He had, earlier in the year, taken out AJ Styles and and claimed that he would be the leader of the Bullet Club moving forward. That was a year-long journey of pushing Kenny Omega from a competitor in the junior heavyweight division and a guy who had been around forever, who had been pretty much in the same spot for a long time, and a proper build to get him. Well, okay, one of our biggest, two of our biggest pieces in New Japan for Wrestle Kingdom 10 are gone in Nakamura and Styles. Who are we going to push? Tanahashi is getting older. We've got this great young champion in Okada. What do we do next year? Well, why not take a guy like Omega, who's been around forever, who we can put in this spot and just push him to the moon, and he's already got the credibility, and he's clearly got the talent, and push him to the moon and get put him in the right spots to make himself successful, and that's exactly what he did. And we, in the past six months, have seen two of the best matches of probably this decade. Definitely two match of the year candidates out of Kenny Omega. Now, tons of talent. Not necessarily everybody that gets pushed has that. But that is a situation where promotion did the right things to push the right person into a spot where they could succeed. And it's something that WWE is struggling to do. it's a flow, and once once you start interrupting that flow, you're, you, you've done so much damage to your product that it's hard to recover. You know, people are supposed to break into wrestling a certain way, pay their dues, work, you know, as hard as they can. They get to a level. Now it's a new challenge. Now they get to WWE and they've got to climb that ladder and it takes years. But then finally, after years and years and years of proving themselves, going out, popping the crowds, you know, selling, you know, T-shirts and and all this, all this hard work leads up to where now you're the guy or you're the guy that works with the guy and you're in the main event and then. You know, you you ride that main event wave, and you're bringing in the money, and you're putting the butts in the seats, and then your time comes, and you retire, or you go into training, uh, you know, younger guys, or or you go into commentary, or what have you, you go into any route, you go into acting like The Rock, or you go into music like Chris Jericho, but then that's it. So you so you've ridden the ladder and the reason you were able to get to the top is because the guys that were at the top when you started have left. So when you get to the top, you ride that wave and then when it's time, you leave. The guy behind you comes up. They ride it. They leave. Once you start having the guy sit at the top but then get pushed back down a little bit every 6 months so that older guys can come back in and sit at the top. 
you've you've ruined the whole flow. The r- the reason Kenny Omega was able to organically come and be where he is now was because the spot opened for him and he had put the groundwork in to get there. You know, if if Kenny Omega did the same thing but then when Wrestle Kingdom came up this year, he was put on the mid card with Okada and, you know, it was Liger versus Tiger Mask. Tiger Mask, you know, in the main event just because they've been around longer and they more people know who they are. The whole thing loses, you know. Well, Everyone and loses. And it's a company that pushes the right pushes people in the right way to make sure that everything is, you know, these guys are the stars. It's the way they are. We, our company will rise and fall as these stars rise and fall. So it is up to us to make sure they're in the best position. That's part of the reason New Japan has, even though they went through, they have certainly had their downtrodden times, they have done a fabulous job, especially in the last five or six years, pushing themselves further and further up and being a bigger uh, piece in a bigger cog in the wheel that is professional wrestling in the world. And you can still find spots on the card for memorable gimmicks or memorable wrestlers. Jushin Thunder Liger was on that Dominion card, but he was in an eight-man tag match that was the opener of the card that went right. seven minutes. So And those those other guys got Tiger the Mask. Rub. Tiger Mask was on there. Uh, uh, Togi Makabe was on there. Yuji Nagata was on there. Satoshi Kojima was on there. If none of these names sound familiar, all of these guys are older, who have had their time at the top, who have spent that time putting in that energy and being up at the top, and they are getting the recognition. They're still on these cards. They're still getting time. But, but not it's no longer their time to be at the peak. They're getting their time, but but not at the peril of the guys, the younger guys that should get it and who are on top right now. Yeah, the younger guys who are who have earned their spot on this card are not getting pushed out because there's an older guy who is taking that spot who doesn't deserve it. And that's, again, not to say some of these WWE older part-timers don't necessarily deserve the spot. Undertaker can have that spot as many times as he wanted because he's a major draw, and that's part of WrestleMania. But if Triple H doesn't wrestle next year at WrestleMania, is anybody really upset? You know, I'm not. Um, I, I feel and I've like got nothing against Triple H is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Oh, I've loved his career, and, and I don't want to bury him in any way, no, shape, or form. But it's, it's like it's time now. And I get the fear because the WWE wants to be a company that continuously grows and makes more money and has more subscriptions and the, the whole nine. But, you know, the what New Japan had to do a couple of years ago was rebuild. What any great sports team has to do every couple of years is rebuild, and the WWE should be no different. You know, we d- just take a year, lay the groundwork, and build, and then I guarantee you in two, three, four years, you're going to have the next crop of Rocks and Austins and Triple H's and Undertakers and Mankind's. You're going to have it. You just have to take a step back and go, okay, who do we got? What's the best talent roster we can put together? What's the best gimmicks we can give them? And how can we push them to make them come off like superstars? You know, when, when the old timers would come back in the Attitude Era or even later, they were never brought back to bury the new guys. You know, if if Randy Unless Orton, they were Hulk Hogan. 
who was not even really an old timer at that point. No, I mean but he was still going. But if like if Randy Orton when he was starting out with the whole legend killer thing got beat by all of those legends in ten seconds, you know, what what's what's the point? Yeah, you're you're a couple of wins and losses away, a couple of different booking decisions from having the legend killer to having Heath Slater. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and we saw the exact, exact same, same gimmick thing. go in the other direction, and look where Heath Slater is now. Yeah, it could have been a Orton. Thank goodness know. Heath Slater's got kids; otherwise, he would no be nowhere to be found. And you, you, you'll throw at me. Well, he's multi generational, and um, he's got the look and everything. How is that how working many, for Tamina? How, how many second, third generation superstars with great bodies Ted have, have come and gone because of bad booking? So don't tell me that. Don't sit here and tell me that Randy Orton's sacred. No, he he got to the part that he got to because they booked him and they protected him, and they it, that's why he's there. Coupled with his natural abilities and his look and the fact that he's a third generation. There's a reason WWE is go is at a point where they have to go outside to pick up guys to who already have steam on them. Guys like Owens and Styles and Sami Zayn and uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. That's because they are they have struggled to develop their their own guys, and that's what NXT is supposed to be partially doing. It's supposed to give some of these guys that are coming up through developmental a bit of a rub before they get up. So there's a little bit of a chatter behind them, even though they're WWE product. Guys like your Baron Corbins, for example. Baron Corbin is one of the few exceptions right now that seems to be doing relatively well for himself all things considered, who is strictly a WWE product. I mean, he could be a lot bigger, you know. We could be, but that's the thing is you wonder, is this something where somebody like Baron Corbin is going to miss opportunities because guys like Triple H, you could push Baron Corbin to the moon, and I don't think people would keep from buying it. I think people would probably buy it. They've had him relatively well. Maybe you put him in a spot that you would have given to a Triple well, H I or mean, a John Cena. Just look Cena. at last year. We had Braun Strowman in the Battle Royal on the pre-show. I would have rather seen Strowman versus Rollins. I would rather have Strowman not on the card than where they used yeah, him. Yeah, like what they did with Joe. Just don't put him on, you know. It did, you didn't need to. It was unnecessary to do that. And then what did you end up have, having happen in that, which is supposed to be a big moment for whoever wins it? Mojo wins it because of Gronkowski, and the guy he beat to win is He's now, now champion. the WWE champion. And where's Mojo? <laughs> you know, losing, to, waiting for for uh, Zack Ryder to come back, which he just did. Yeah. So and taking another spot away from Ty Dillinger. Well, we're coming. <laughs> we're coming up on uh, about the end here. Do we? We're, get we're at our sixty. We're at our sixty-minute man mo- point of ourselves. Do we want to get in some quick uh, Money in the Bank predictions? Yes, but we won't go through the whole card because, honestly, the rest of this card I don't care too much about. Uh, We'll do more of the review. We'll talk about that next week. I just want to know the two Money in the Bank matches. Who's winning the women's match? That's Becky Lynch versus Charlotte versus Natalia versus Tamina versus Carmella with James Ellsworth. Charlotte. I, I was going to say maybe Becky. That's but where I'm sitting. It's got to be Charlotte. Um, I it's the see first one. It's historic. They want to give it to her. What if you gave it to Natalia for the same reasons? 
I mean, I would I would be all for that. But I, I'm know. trying to convince myself and anybody here. I can't convince myself into Tamina. I think Becky Lynch is my my choice. Carmella is my dark horse. I see Carmella. I mean, it could go Carmella is the one who I could immediately see looking best walking around with that briefcase. Oh, definitely. And yeah. you could easily have her. You you have Story Ellsworth wise. is holding the briefcase as she's in the ring. I could just see that playing out really well, and you could really do something with her moving forward. The last few Money in the Banks have not gone well if they didn't cash in that night. So uh, we saw Sheamus's Money in the Bank run didn't do very well. He won mm-hmm. the championship, but that felt more out of necessity than anything else. Um, okay, so let's move on to, I can't believe I'm saying this, the men's Money in the Bank mm-hmm. championship match or uh, Money in the Bank match for the championship match contract. It's kind of nice. There's a women's match, and they're actually using a white briefcase, and they didn't make it pink. Yeah, that is nice. Although I don't like the big blue briefcase for the. Would you just rather make it black? Do you think the white one, the the white one looks better? Yeah, <laughs> I'd rather win the white one than the blue one. I I agree completely. The big. I hope they customize it, but you know they won't. They or used like, to let the them white one even it. looked thinner and sleeker. Like there's, it's holding one to Piece two of pieces paper. of paper. Why does it have to be six inches wide, padded, and with a giant logo on the side. That's didn't not somebody, what briefcases look like. Didn't somebody, was it, I don't know if it was Edge or somebody, they put, like, goofy things inside of it. People have carried their gear in it. But, <laughs> you know, it's like a, it becomes like a curse because you got to take it to every airport and put it through security and you, know, oh, you got to travel with it. Yeah, I'd rather take the smaller one. Okay, uh, the men's Money in the Bank match, Owens versus Styles versus Corbin versus Zayn versus Dolph Ziggler versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Really quick before we predict this, did you see the Fashion Files segment? I did not. Okay. On the Fashion Files, if you're not looking at the board that they always have during those, you need to. The best one, which was a wonderful joke, was a picture of Sami Zayn, and the note underneath of it was generic, and there in the upper right said, needs mask. <laughs> That's great. It was it's fantastic. The jokes they are putting on there are more over than anything else they're doing on a weekly basis. That the fashion police are fabulous. I I really come to enjoy their work. I'm glad I'm glad Tyler Breeze is no longer rotting in in what is yeah. the hell of where he was. Now um, now Ty Gillinger's there. <laughs> yes, I wish we didn't have to make a sacrifice for this to happen. There must be one. <sighs> this is awful. I don't like it. Don't stick him in a tag team and make him a comedy act, please. He's too he he seemed relatively over, and you're killing him every step of the way. You should should be you in could, the money. You have five should matches. Should be in the money bank match. You have five matches on this money in the bank card. You couldn't have found a spot or put for him Dillinger. Against See for me, put him Owens, against Sid and Cara. I don't care. For <laughs> me, Owens doesn't fit in because he's already the U.S. champion. You know what would have made sense. Owens versus Dillinger. That you could have put great. that together that in been four great. weeks. Yeah, you could have. And it would have been, you know, it been I don't a good think match Dillinger should have go over, but it, it would have given Dillinger a spotlight. And it would have given it, Owens a good match. A good match and a good thing to get And he would have had good thing. heat because he would have said, why am I not in this Money in the Bank match? Yeah. But no, I don't, even, I don't even see why he wants to be because if he wanted to be the WWE champion, he's still champion, trying to earn that, he would that throw rematch he never got from Goldberg. Sure. Um, okay, so uh, Owen Styles, Corbin Zane, Ziggler, Nakamura, who wins? You know, there's a lot of things I've been thinking about this match. Who wins and why isn't it Dolph Ziggler? 
Well, I was actually going to say it could very well be Dolph Ziggler because oh, really, it could be because if they want to keep the title on gender, who's the one guy that can cash in the money in the bank, lose, and not be hurt by it? Well, Ziggler, Ziggler can't really be hurt any more than he already has That's been. That's what I mean. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking immediately over this, and I see all of that being true. Um I've thought who, long and hard about this. With, without that scenario, Styles. I've thought about this, and the only reason I feel like the money in the bank really is best designed as something to utilize um, when you've got a guy who wouldn't necessarily be in the title picture anyways. So, so Zane? Zane is actually a guy I was strongly considering. Um, I thought Zane and I thought Corbin. Now, this kind of spits in the face of my logic, but he hasn't been in the title picture yet. And Shinsuke is really looking appealing. I think you have to lean more towards a heel the reason, the, or well, a baby face, excuse the, me. The reason I say Shinsuke is because what's a good way to keep Shinsuke away from the main event scene? when he clearly could be in the main event scene at any time. What's a way to kind of hold that off in a way that's believable? Give him the briefcase. Because you could have him have that briefcase, and he could easily mess with champions at any time, whether it's gender or... You know, you could see that play out. And you know he'd get a massive pop. He's getting the biggest pop every SmackDown already. Even when they play his entrance during a commercial yep yep good job so uh, nakamura is my choice i still Zane i still and if i had to put really my finger on one like if i had to put money down i would put money on ziggler just for the reasons that i stated i would love to see any of these guys win it besides corbin not because i don't think he's deserving i just don't think a good build for somebody like him would be winning it with money in the bank. I could see a I very poor, like, King of the Ring type build yeah, with, yeah. with him having the briefcase, so I would be a little nervous. I, I And I just named two out of the three guys I just named that I think are the best chances. Are Two of them are, heel, are faces. One of them is a heel. The money in the bank works absolutely best when it's a heel holding it. Because Unless the champion's a heel. You well, know. even then, though, because the one... So I'm, I'm thinking back on it, and what do you get the most heat off of having that briefcase is when whoever's holding it is a heel. The best— Unless you're the Miz. Unless— and you're taking it from Cena or Orton. He took it from Orton, right? I think he took it from Orton. Yeah. Yeah, he took it from Orton because they had their uh, rematch, I think, at the Royal Rumble uh, the just before that uh, 27 WrestleMania, WrestleMania 27. Um, it does work best with a heel, and really, Owens would look really good with that briefcase and the U.S. title. It's not unfathomable they do that. Ziggler, I think, would make a lot of sense to have it, and I think Corbin makes the least sense of the heels, but the reason I say that is I could really easily see WWE pulling the trigger and putting it on Corbin. I just hope he doesn't become Jack Swagger. No, but um, I just I just think a a different type of build would be good for Corbin. I don't think the money in the bank build would necessarily be good for Corbin. The money in the bank build is designed for 
you know, it's really designed for a guy like Edge, somebody who's right on the cusp and maybe generally wouldn't be in the title picture, uh, but now he's broken through and there's no going back. So, like, it's where Sami Zayn, you would think that, but I feel like if even if he did, he would fall back. He would become the Jack Swagger of the group. Uh, AJ Styles has already been there. Kevin Owens has already been there. So maybe Shinsuke. I don't. It's so new, though. You know. I could just see. Well, I'm still saying Ziggler. And they still haven't really. They they mentioned it kind of, but could the money in the bank be used for Raw? I don't could think you so, see no. a situation? Well, could you see a situation where, and I'm this is fantasy booking at its finest. A situation where, yes, it's going to be Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. Could you imagine, just imagine it with me, Nakamura has the has it, or Nakamura or Styles or Zayn has the briefcase, and his music hits at WrestleMania, maybe not during the match like Rollins, but just before the match starts. Um, Similar to like what the Hardys did coming out for the tag team ladder match. Could be. I, d- I don't think they're going to. Or maybe be something where... That person, and I, the Zane sticks out best for this idea, but he announces ahead of time, I'm inserting myself in this match. Could be. You know, what's interesting is they could hold it. Like, we've never had a Royal Rumble, a person who won the Royal Rumble also be the Money in the Bank holder. We haven't, and I think it's because these two things would, in WWE's mind would likely cancel each other out. Although, wouldn't it be fantastic, and I'm waiting for somebody to do this, for the Money in the Bank winner to have a championship match, go through the whole match. If it's a face, they get screwed out of it. If it's a heel, they get beat. And then immediately cash in and win it. be interesting if it was a heel, you could, like, um, you could, like, get disqualified. You could, like, bring out a steel chair and beat the other guy to hell. And then get disqualified and then restart the match with your money in the bank and pin them. That'd be good. I, there's so many different ways they haven't used it yet because they've, they they've really— They the same way every time. Not necessarily. There's a couple of times where they've announced in advance that they were going to do a cash-in. Uh, Rob Van Dam did it that way. Uh, now, Rob Van Dam used the money in the bank. He won it and used it as a way of being a guy who never really got into that opportunity, who had— were earned it, but used that as a way to give himself that opportunity in, in yeah. kayfabe. So that's another way it can be used, although the only two people who have in advance said they were going to cash in and like set up a match are RVD and John Cena, and odds aren't good on that one because John Cena lost. Right, but I, so did uh, Damian Sandow, Sandow, who's the only other person to lose who they can't mention anymore. Uh, I know JBL last week said it's a certainty you'll win and then you could hear like somebody reminding him (laughs) like bt dubs we can't talk about one of them but uh two people have lost they can't say is they can't say damien sanda i feel like they could no they they won't mention anybody who's gone to another promotion even if they are using a different they still say ray mysterio they still they do for the royal rumble but i feel like that's different i also feel like they parted ways with mysterio in good terms yeah supposedly 
Anyway, um, it'll be interesting. We'll be back next week talking about what actually happened. Yeah, I'm waiting for the Royal Rumble, by the way, where Mysterio's time gets beat, and you know it's going to be Roman. You know they're going to put Roman most in every package. Most eliminations, longest one. Most eliminations, most eliminations ever, most time in a Rumble. You know they're going to give him like every one of those every, records. He's already right? had the the Survivor Series come back from like one on four, one on five, <laughs> and comes back and wins. Roman is detestable to yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, anyways, that'll do it. We'll review Money in the Bank next week. A lot of fun talking about New Japan. Don't get to do that all that often. Dominion was a pretty good card from what we've heard, although I've only watched the main event. So <laughs> we'll we'll have to change that at some point. Yeah, it was. this was mostly a Japan-centric episode. It was nice. It was nice. Let us know if you liked it. Um, we'll, like I said, we'll review Money in the Bank next week uh, and take a look at any other stories that are going that are coming along. Um, anything else you want to leave with the people? Bearing in mind that uh, the the plugs are coming. The plugs are coming. I know that now. <laughs> uh, you know, no thanks for listening. If you listened, um, you know, we'd love to get some feedback from you. So, you know, find us. I imagine Killian listening to this in his romper, as only he should. Bye, everybody. Adios. Keep up with the show throughout the week by following us on Twitter at Barricade Show. Give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash barricade show. And keep up with each new episode at soundcloud.com slash barricade show. Also subscribe to the podcast on Google Play and iTunes. Just search for Over the Barricade Podcast. Follow Lee Brando on Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram at Lee Brando underscore. We'll see you next week right here in the cheap seats.